This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hey guys, welcome to Breaking Banks Europe. My name is Matteo Rizzi. I'm the executive producer of the show. Today, we have a very classical format, the news from the fintech front. And I have actually two very good friends with me today. One is a first timer. The other one, uh, she has been with us uh, uh, before. Uh, I don't think I will do much of the talking today because these guys sort of spread news for uh, work. So they, they are much better position than myself to actually do this type of uh, this type of task so uh, without further ado uh, let me give them a couple of minutes to introduce themselves uh, starting with anna anna herrera welcome back to breaking banks europe thank you hi matteo how are you um yes i'm the chief fintech correspondent for Reuters. I'm based in London. I was based in New York before, but before that I was in London and that's where we met ages ago. It seems like decades ago, but it, and, and I guess it's going to be a decade soon, maybe. Um, yeah, and in my beat, I cover everything really, fintech, from, from sort of what banks or big banks are doing to what startups are doing to crypto to cards to whatever. It's, it's a very big beat and I have a global remit um so it's, it's fun it's been a busy year yeah i can imagine i can imagine you know anna i i always sort of praise anna because uh, since uh, you know i see i always said that she did the only meaningful uh, fintech list ever like uh, back a decade ago and i still talking about the fact that i was in that list i'm super proud and since then everyone else has been copying anna you know, afterwards, right? So, I'll, uh, if you don't mind, I will keep using this as a as a, as a reference. That's fine. So, <laughs> second second guest, Ali Ali Patterson. Uh, welcome for the. I mean, I know you're a fan, and uh, thank you. If uh, you know, w- we might actually publish a picture of you. You have even a provoke a provoke T-shirt. Ali, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for for having me on. I I, I snuck on to when Brett was doing it at Cybos 2019 for, for, for a wee bit, but I think that was very, very, un, very unofficial and mostly me just, just, just winding him up about, uh, well, his, uh, his take on global warming. But yeah, that was uh, yeah, quite, quite a, while, a, while, a while ago. Um, but I, I'm Ali. Um, I am probably on a good day about 5% of the journalist that Anna is. I, I keep being referred to as a journalist and I'm not a journalist at all. Uh, but I, I run the um, FF uh, News uh, website where we, again, we have an inbox that we blast out all sorts of news. And uh, uh, mo- mo- most recently we, we got a, a wee bit of attention for, um, we, we did a, uh, and it's kind of appropriate to today's show, we did a, a rap battle uh, of all the all the neo banks in a uh, in a bit of a 
yeah, a bit of a comedic turn, which was unusual. But yeah, no, thanks very much for, for having me on. So actually, you know, it's uh, it's funny because uh, uh, the, the the format of this uh, of this show today is that uh, you know we I, I pick a couple of news that uh, sort of caught my attention. You guys can do this too, sort of even even like unexpectedly. And uh, uh, the first topic I actually wanted to talk about is exactly concerning neobanks, right? Uh, simply because, you know, we all, we all heard like uh, the Revolut, like a big bank and, you know, the, 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 the quotation of uh, transfer wise, uh, you know, uh, the number 26 wants like, uh, uh, I don't know, I believe it's like a, a 10 billion. I mean, I can't, I kind of lose, lose counts of, uh, you know, how many dozens of billions these valuations are, are becoming, right? And, and, and yet, you know, when you sort of scratch the web a little bit, you realize, for example, that, uh, you know, out of the 234 uh, digital challenger banks, uh, you know, only 13, 13, one, three are currently profitable, you know, and the most of them are actually in Asia, you know, I think that the only one is starting uh, uh, and Oak North in, in, in the UK, but everyone else is pretty much pretty much losing the one. So, what do you think, uh, you know, this is going, right? Because, uh, uh, oh, and actually sort of spicing this all up, there is this tweet from, uh, from our friend Brad Lehmer, you know, from the, from, you know, the unconventional ventures. And Brad says, you know, imagine, uh, you know, just with uh, the, the, the Revolut raise, how much good you can do in the world, right? Uh, which is, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a thought that has the worth the, sorry, the, the merit, uh, the merit to exist, but at the end of the day, you could, you could, you could uh, like uh, say it about uh, pretty much uh, any fundraising of of, of a startup is that is losing money, right? So let's like uh, open up this and start uh, telling me what you what you think. Uh, Anna, you wanna start? Yeah. Since you I just mean... since you just read the brief uh, five minutes ago, so <laughs> I give you the chance. Yeah. Of, uh, yeah, first. just impro- improvising. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I mean, as everyone, obviously, when I saw the valuation in the round, I was, you know, it's, it's eye-watering numbers and it's massive. And also the fact it was SoftBank and so the fact that it tends to do giant rounds, they've not done so well. Some of them recently, you know, if you think of WeWork, even Cabbage sold. And I mean, the situation there is different because, you know, there was sort of the COVID crisis and small businesses weren't doing well. But, you know, there are many things to think about. So obviously, you know, you're thinking this startup is valued more than a giant UK bank. It has a lot less revenues, not even like, you know, profit revenues than than a big bank. And so you have to wonder, you know, are investors valuing financial companies as tech companies when they should actually be valuing them as finance companies and financials? Like what happens when they list? Can they keep their valuation or will the financial, will they be, you know, assessed and priced by financials analysts who look at different, different, you know, um, numbers to see if it makes sense. Um, so obviously it's something that, that you think in terms of like, you know, is it worthy, not worthy from a sort of socially positive? I mean, first of all, who am I to say, I shouldn't even have thoughts like that being a very uh, unbiased journalist, but you know, the, the, the fact is they do have clients, people use them. The people that I know that use them love them. They did offer a service banks did not for a variety of reasons. 
And so, you know, there there is a reason for them to exist. And there were big tech companies that didn't make money for a long time. So, you know, there's there's that reason too. The fact is, you know, I guess only time will tell if they can turn it around. And they keep saying they'll, they'll, they'll I think they say they'll be profitable next year. I'm, I don't remember now. I don't want to say something wrong, but it's not like it's never going to happen, you know. Uh, or you can't see how they might be profitable. Um, it's just a question of, you know, when they list, will, I guess, will the valuation, is, is, are they overpriced anyways compared to whatever they could be priced uh, realistically? But, you know, do, you believe, do you believe, statistically speaking, that listing themselves is the only way out? Or at this valuation, you see, like, any, anyone buying them? I don't think they would be acquired at this valuation. I mean, unless maybe a giant tech firm, but it's so high that, although, you know, to be fair, like Nutmeg got acquired and it's a completely different scenario. They got acquired for a, a big chunk, like, and people, you know, so you never you, you never know. Um, but it, I, I guess, I don't know. I see them more as potentially listing than than, you know, being acquired, but. I don't know. I'm not a banker. I'm not an investment banker. So unfortunately, so I don't have to tell them what to do. Ali, what do you think? It's interesting, uh, Anna, raising things there around the, the, the pricing, the IPO. I've, I've been following uh, why is this listing um, on, on my old little, the old free trade account. And it just listed at the price, shot up, and it's been nice and flat. Having said that, I haven't checked it today, uh, but it's been nice and flat and seems to have been priced at a very accurate accurate figure um so which is about a third of that of uh, of revolutes um hundred I, I can't see a bank now turning around and trying to acquire revolutes i i 100 agree it, it the, the only way out if it is it is to is to go is to go public i think that'll be probably revolutes uh Engel. and I, I know i know monza was saying a similar thing today they were flirting with uh the, with doing an ipo um one thing I did thought was incredible. Um, I've got to take a moment to appreciate on Twitter, Chad West. He comes up with some incredible one-liners and he, he took it upon, uh, he kind of made it his mission. There are a lot of tweets about uh, the valuation of Revolut and he was going around correcting people. Um, and the, the one I wanted to highlight was um, someone of putting about Revolut's value, at th- uh, this is all in US dollars. Um, Revolut's value, 33 billion. Customers uh, 14.5, corrected by Chad to 20 million, which is again a phenomenal amount. He doesn't of even work there anymore, right? I know so, he, he, he's still drinking the Kool Aid. It's incredible. It is, I love yeah. it. Maybe he has shares. You know, he's an early employee. Uh, uh, revenue 360, and someone was comparing. I forget who it was was comparing it to New Bank because that's quite a similar in terms of valuation. Uh, valuation 30 billion, customers 40 million. So obviously, again. Um, revenue uh, just shy of a billion. So you can kind of see it. You can't compare apples and oranges, but that's probably the closest in terms of in terms of value valuation. Um, the other thing I, th- I think I thought was it was incredible as well is uh, Nikolai's uh, uh, net worth on paper following this valuation uh, is six times that of the total valuation of Starling Bank, uh, which made me go, "Wow!" Like it's uh, that's soft bank <laughs> money for you, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and by the way, not talking about uh, like uh, personal wealth created by Revolut, 
I'm pretty sure that you saw that tweet saying, you know, Revolut actually might have created the first like crowdfunding, uh, uh, you know, millionaires, right? Because uh, the valuation at which I believe they raise, uh, was that like $2 million or something? At, like uh, at still a reasonably reasonably low low valuation. Now, I always say that uh, personally speaking, it's very hard to have a decent multiplier when you do crowdfunding. You have to be extremely lucky. But you know they might have created a good uh, president, don't you think? Yeah, I thought that was step in that. Sorry, go ahead, Anna. So yeah, maybe you'll contradict me, so it'll make it more spicy. But I thought I, I thought it was interesting because I because I always thought oh equity crowdfunding. Can you actually ever become a millionaire with that? But if, yeah. if, if it happens, it, it'll depend on the class of shares they have, right? Because then yeah. what happens, they're actually totally. getting an exit. They might, their shares might only work much, but I don't know. I'm going to contradict you there. Um, I know I mentioned them earlier, um, but free trade uh, on Crowdcube, that was phenomenal. Uh, uh, there were... I think at least four or certainly four that came forward, people that made over a million uh, pounds sterling uh, from free trade Series B. Um, because all those that kind of got in on the first, uh, I think it's done something crazy, like 20 different rounds on uh, on Crowdcube. And some of the people that got into the, the first one actually kind of made uh, a, a million off it. It was a 48 multiplier. Um, I I was very fortunate that I actually got in on that, but I wish I'd invested more than the than the fifty quid that I did. Um, but, but yeah, so I, it does kind of. Hopefully, I think that has set a precedent that you can, depending again how it's structured, make some sizable returns on crowdfunding, uh, even if it's kind of literally like you know a, a small amount invested. Yeah, I actually have a, a, a very nice anecdote on. Uh, on Revolut, actually two of them. You know, Revolut one in a tribe. Uh, I believe it was back in 2015 or something. And uh, actually, you know, Nikolai came to the beach coaching session uh, before. Singapore, right? Yeah, it was Singapore. Yeah. So it, 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 it came into the like the the the, the beach coaching session. And his first presentation was literally like bashing, uh, bashing the banks and saying, you know, you guys are useless and, you know, you're sort of, uh, uh, I mean, I am paraphrasing, of course, but, you know, the, the, we're going to come and save the customers from, uh, you know, uh, unbelievable fees and, and, and so on. Right. And, and I was with Leda, I still remember. And, uh, you know, Leda me say, dude, you know, if you go like this, don't forget that your judges are going to be bankers, you know, you better, why don't you sort of change your tone a little bit? So we coached him and he ended up, and he ended up winning, you know? And, uh, and, and I was actually, you remember still Anna with, uh, with SBT venture capital back then, like my very first fund and it was a Russian fund. So I, I kind of uh, uh, like a gently nudged like a, a CIO of the, of the bank, and I, I closed them in a room with uh, with uh, Nikolai and say, guys, you know, you guys in Russian, you know, sort sort shit out, you know, and 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 uh, let's see if this. And we ended up missing missing the investment, and they was raising uh, Series A, you know. So that's oh, wow. uh, that <laughs> that is that is a great, uh, you know, one of the greatest uh, one of the greatest miss. Of needless to say, I was beyond convinced that we should have made. I, I don't want to say how much they were raising uh, in, in, in Series A, but uh, it was uh, they were they were raising uh, between three and five for like between 
20 and 30% of the company, something like that. I might be wrong, but I wasn't, I'm not far from these actual numbers. But uh, that was the typical, like, uh, too early for someone like uh, the bank that I was, uh, so that the, the fund belonged to, to be able to, uh, uh, to grow the deal. And then, you know, the, 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 I mean, Revolut has always been somehow special, you know, in, in the sense that, uh, it always seems to be more aggressive than, than others and get to higher valuation faster than others. When the rationale, when you see and we compare and you compare them with uh, with the rest of the banks, are not that uh, you know are not that different. You know what do you think? I think maybe they seem more aggressive for European standards, I guess, and more ambitious. Whereas if you place them in the U.S. and standards there and valuations there, they're like, oh, yeah, they're a tech firm. So maybe they just have lots of foreign investors who believe in them and they have that mindset that's not, I guess they are European, but not necessarily, you know, the more prudent, let's go slowly and raise and, and you know, be that. Whereas here it's just like, let's grow fast, like a, like a Silicon Valley tech company and get money from SoftBank and go crazy. Um, within the limits, crazy, obviously not how crazy, crazy, but like in terms of like, let, let's, you know, let's be ambitious. I mean, you know, speaking to them, they have plans to go to China. I mean, that's wildly ambitious, right? Going to China yeah. to service Chinese customers. So you have to give it to them, you know, like they are as ambitious as, as you, as you get, even sometimes maybe you think is that not very logical to do something like China. It's, you need to be very courageous, but you know, you're right. It does fit this kind of. It is different. There's a different vibe to them than yeah, you know, the European fintech yeah. companies. By the China's way, Ali, where, tell me. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. I say China seems to be where, like Google, Uber, and such is where tech firms kind of. It's the graveyard of tech firms. Is where they where, where it's the Afghanistan of the <laughs> of the tech firm wise. I actually, I, I you know, after I read the news, I, I, I sent an email that, of course, Nikolai will never read. And maybe if someone uh, can convey the message, I said, you know, totally when you when you want to go to Africa, because if you, you know, Africa, Africa is now, you know, the, the neobanks are raising there, the regulators are, are, you know, they are they are willing to make the right efforts. And there is a huge sort of currency problem, not or challenge, you know, between one country and the other. And in some countries, like cheaper to import uh, like a tea from China than from uh, the like the neighbor country, just because uh, you know currency fees are are exorbitant, and 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 banks have uh, you know the 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 leadership and the, like a hard to beat the sort of. Uh, Position right and uh, a multi currency. I I I have seen some multi currency wallet in uh, uh, starting off in in emerging markets. What do you think? Is there a future for uh, for this? Because neo banks uh, like a new bank in Brazil, great, but uh, I haven't seen any like a true multi country neo bank uh, sort of hitting at emerging markets. Why do you think it's not the case just yet? Because the market they are hitting is already too big that they have uh, other fishes to fry or, or, or what? I've been following very closely Cuda Bank in Africa, uh, in Nigeria, because that's a huge market. Yeah. And to be very frank, um, I, I will put up my, I believe in them so much, I will put up my kidneys as collateral to invest <laughs> in them at this stage, because uh, that as a, 
that's going to be a, the, the new bank of Nigeria. Uh, their growth rate, their the need that's there, and the untapped market is just is just huge. And I'm quite surprised that there's not a Kuda Bank's kind of the the kind of top example because I think they've of all the banks in Africa, they've raised more than any more than anyone else uh, yeah. by quite a significant margin. I'm surprised we're not seeing more of that, especially after after New Bank's success. The, actually. This- Go ahead, go ahead, Anna. Sorry. I think this just raises the question of how successful are new banks when they expand completely to another market. So one thing is like from UK to Germany, and already in some cases that doesn't work well. But have there been any new banks? I'm talking specifically new banks. And so I'm not talking about WISE where, you know, there's like the money transfer component that's different that can go to another geography and like kill it. Because Revolut's, to their admission, they're not. They're, they have not done as well as they hoped yet in in the in the U.S. Monzo, we don't have many much news. Uh, number twenty six either. I think new banks expanded in Mexico. I don't know if they might be doing well. I'm, I'm genuinely not sure. But but I think like often new banks, they fix a problem that a series of issues that are very important in that market, be it like, you know, and, and they're and they're built to fit in within the quirks of that financial system. So, you know, it's like either lack of competition with big banks, too much competition, high fees, you know, or their business model is built to thrive there, like in the US with interchange fees. And then maybe they're pushed to expand in a bigger market by investors or because, you know, you know, obviously if you're UK and you have a US investor, US market is massive, you want to go there, but then they just don't work culturally. So I'm wondering if, you know, the new bank of Africa has to come from Africa and maybe it's just Nigeria and the neighboring country and not Nigeria and South Africa or Nigeria and, you know, Morocco. It, it has to be like, you know, they have to know their markets and their national markets really well. And I guess Europe is a bit different because the EU and, and you know, it, it, it's slightly different. But, you know, I'm, I'm waiting to see a, a big challenger bank that, does really well in in a big market that's not their own. Maybe there is one, and I just should know is, about is it. A, is a, you know if you put your kidney both your kidneys as as a collateral, you know maybe I should put like a twenty k or something <laughs> uh, in 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 Cuda because or or like a very small amount because they are still like uh, they're not a unicorn. I, I believe the last raise, uh, Ali helped me, but was it like uh, maybe 80 or 100 million or something? I mean, they're not a unicorn no, yet, right? Not, not, even, not even that. It was their, um, I remember they did their, I, I want to, I think it was their series A a few weeks ago. I think um, they raised 10 million. Is that possible? I believe they do. They did. Because I think the paradox is that uh, in this case, you know, it, it is even scarier because they raise that much, but the number of clients they have, it's like, a, I, I, I want to say neglectable. You know, I, I, I follow because I invested, the, the Africa is the only continent where, where, I invest, where I invest currently. And CUDA was already like, the valuation is crazy unless, unless you believe they become a unicorn. It was a 25 million uh uh, earlier this year in their in their Series A, I don't know what the total valuation is, but I know that at the end of last year they uh, they they raised ten. Um, so far this year, they've gone from uh, three hundred thousand customers uh, up to a million customers, which in six months, if they maintain that that acceleration, um, I mean the the reason I'm very keen on them as a whole is that there's a market of two hundred million people in Nigeria, um, which 
at this being completely ignored by there's no Albo in Nigeria. There's no you can't get a Revolut account in Nigeria at the moment. They're, they're kind of the the top dog to tap into those 200 million people. Um, and also, the, the I know we will come to this later on. The other thing that is quite interesting about them is their talent there in terms of in terms of where how they're building their tech stack because it's not just a kind of cookie cutter. Uh, it, it used to be a thing five years ago. Everyone was you know get get the Wirecard license via GPS seemed to be the the go to, um, but they're they're kind of taking a much more not just build it themselves but build it to to be able to understand it themselves as opposed to again cookie uh, cookie cutter off the shelf. So that, that's one yeah. of the reasons I'm very very keen on. On those guys um but to come to anna's point um yeah i didn't even think of that you hit the nail on the head you you want to understand your market so the likelihood of for example revolute going into nigeria and competing with cuda bank is and be successful there hasn't been an example out there of a neo bank outside of their home turf absolutely absolutely winning it Indeed. And I'm curious about what is going to happen in Latin America, because, you know, given the given the last race of Nubank, uh, I would be surprised if they don't sort of open up, uh, you know, to, to go to go into the at least in the other two or three, like a big, uh, big markets in, uh, in in Latin America. I think that in the next 12 to 18 months, there will be a few more, a uh, few more surprises. Okay, guys, uh, Ali, you sort of spoiled our our next uh, our next topic, but in the meantime, teased it. we teased it <laughs> exactly, and uh, we. Uh, but in the meantime, we managed to go to the first half of the show just with a single topic, which is not unexpected, as uh, you know, the the, 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 the the there is a lot to talk to talk about. So, I propose that uh, we wrap the first half of the show right now. And we kick it off after the break with the, the second topic. Hopefully, we'll get to the third as well. Thank you and stay with us. The FTS Fest is back. As 2021 develops, it will become more and more apparent how this year can truly mark the start of a second fintech revolution. Starting with a focus on sustainability, financial inclusion, and impact investing, Topics that today must be considered transversely will explore trends that are already shaking up the industry, such as embedded and decentralized finance plotting. Be part of the fintech revolution 2.0. Join ftsfest.com. Hey guys, welcome back to Breaking Banks Europe. We are here with Anna and Ali. We had a blast sort of gossiping and discussing and sort of analyzing, you know, at the same time, the whole neobanks sort of stories, you know, to the light of the of the recent news. And uh, Ali was talking about, uh, you know, the talent uh, in, in his last, uh, last commentary. And, uh, you know, the talent is a topic super close to my, to my art. And I want you guys to comment a, a recent news about, uh, it's a US study. Like the, the, they took the like first 10 uh, largest US banks and they realized that uh, the amount of, uh, uh, salaries uh, or compensation for the top executives sort of raised the 10% uh, in total. And uh, the reason for that raise is the fact that uh, 
you know, apparently that was was the article was saying that uh, they were trying to compete with the fintechs that, of course, are stealing uh, uh, resources, you know, from the VTNs because they're gearing up, uh, you know, to get uh, maybe more regulated or to, you know, get more clients. I'm thinking about, uh, you know, the 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 other services, uh, for example, you know, what Starlink is doing with uh, Wildfront in in, uh, in UK, you know, then they need the sort of, uh, you know, a, a, a sales force, I guess, uh, to start, uh, you know, going to the high network or at least uh, to the uh, the mass affluence, you know, and, and they, they can attract with the social, you know, as many as they want. But at the end of the day, you need more like consultative selling. And in order to do this, you need people with with the experience. Do you actually think that uh, you know the banks are like starting worrying when it comes to like uh, uh, attract and retain and uh, like mostly mostly retain? And uh, if you were a good talent today, you know, would you even be close to be willing to work for a bank, Ali? I'm actually I'm going to defer to Anna first. I, I want to. <laughs> <laughs> you want to contradict me so actually they've been worried for a while right like they, they they're not stupid uh they especially tech talent it's very hard to come by literally every industry in the world wants uh good coders and good engineers and so but that's not the bank thing right anna that's a global thing everyone it is it is but you know like bank systems are as you know you you work for swifts like it's quite critical that they work well and you know if my asos website goes down i'll be a bit pissed off but if my bank starts stops or my bank card stops working for three days and the level of you know upset that i'll be and that a regulator will be is quite different. And that's sort of just on them, like keeping the bank going talent. And then you also need, imagine the cybersecurity, that that's just a massive risk that's growing. Everyone has cybersecurity needs now and you need really good people because you're only as good as, good as good as the adversary is getting. And then on top of it, if you're actually think, and they do now genuinely think that they need to compete with, that they need to remain competitive because of the threat from FinTech and tech firms, to innovate, then you need really good people that can help you do that. So I think they're, and based on conversations, they've been worried for a while. We've seen, you know, some of the banks like Goldman, you know, try to change a bit of, you know, you could say that it's just the surface, but they've been doing things to make, you know, work-life balance a bit better or make engineers wear what they want and just change things so it, it feels a bit better. I don't know, like, you know, at the end of the day, I think a lot will will depend on especially now post-COVID, people have gotten used to working from home. They've had a lot more flexibility. Will they be able to maintain that flexibility? Do they want to maintain that flexibility? I think there might be a lot there to, to see, like, will people be okay to give up on some money, um, but they'd ra- uh, for, like, working from home forever, or maybe they want to, like, there's, there's so much to balance that. But I, I don't know. I think, like, sometimes if you are very good it depends what your interests are, right? Like, and what bank you're joining has everything, right? Like some banks may, may be more attractive and some projects you're working on at a bank might be more attractive. Um, and in some cases, working for a big tech firm might be more attractive. Let, let's not forget that compared to a few years ago where banks had come out from the financial crisis with a really bad reputation. Now, tech firms, some of them don't have a great reputation as well because of privacy. Like, you know, if you're maybe, you know, more conscious about these things, you know, 
can you say, oh, Facebook is a more, is a greater place to work at than, you know, JP Morgan socially and, and world impact wise, you know, you, you might, yeah. first of all, you might not care, but second, you might also think, you know, I'd rather work for a bank. They make money, they deal with money. That's what they do rather than working for a social network. And there's, you know, there's issues with how they're handling data and all the rest. So I think it's more nuanced than it was a few years ago, but it's definitely still like a major issue, like the, the, the competition for talent. Ali, before before you, you kick in, it's interesting what you're saying, Anna, because no later than uh, today, lunchtime, you know, I, I'm in Milan and, and I actually stepped into, into a guy that works today for, uh, for a financial institution. And, uh, and he was saying that, uh, you know, it, it got proposed a, like a, a sort of a new team in the financial institution working in DeFi, you know, which is interesting, right? So a finance, an Italian financial institution that is interested at, uh, you know, putting a team working on DeFi apps, that's amazing. But you know what? He also, he also had uh, like a proposal from uh, a big uh, four, you know, a, a big four consultant that was uh, economically speaking uh, way more interesting. Uh, at the same time, he says, well, maybe the job is not going to be as, as interesting, but, you know, it's super flexible and money is like uh, twice or three times. So my impression, and Ali, sorry to sort of... Uh, 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 having this uh, like uh, comment on top of what I was saying, but I want you to comment on, on both. I even wonder if uh, actually banks have more than the fintechs as uh, as a competitor uh, right now to retain talents. Ali, yeah, it's um, the the study. I mean, I would love to see like the absolute breakdown of it because it is in very broad strokes. Um, I think the biggest gains in terms of cost in terms of expenses was uh was gold was goldman um but i have no idea on where that war for talent's going is that is that money being paid out to your top vcs within that that arm of it or is it all going after just engineers and just and just coders i have i have no idea and that of course makes makes a big difference um it's also kind of interesting that the banks mentioned in the study are also all the ones that have been talking uh, at every given opportunity about how important it is for everyone to come back into the office uh, compared to some of the other uh, some of the other tech companies um, so I, again I don't know if, if that's a factor there I mean there's always going to be a war for talent whether this is something that's more of kind of uh, it's more the cost of people moving around a bit whilst trying to find out oh, actually I'm I want to be in a position where I can work from home because it's just given me a much better work by flat work life balance and more of a kind of quality of Oh, of, of family time. Um, I, I suspect to what Matteo is saying that it, it may be coming from outside of the traditional banking industry. I don't think it's banks cannibalizing each other's talent. Um, just I have no evidence for that other than anecdotally on Twitter, you have, uh, for example, you have the likes of Nigel Walsh going to Google on the insurance side. Uh, yeah. Or Sam, or, Sam Mall is another example. Or, Sam, yeah. Sam, and, and there's also, um, I, I also think we're starting to see a lot more people having, I, again, anecdotally, I've got zero data to back it up, uh, 
people who have been working at a bank for the last you know 10 years they then have they're then in lockdown and that gives them a chance to pause and reflect on themselves and they're starting something new um i will struggle to find the the actual data but there was uh, a wee article basically saying that uh, the amount of companies that have been incorporated since uh, lockdown has been instigated is crazily large compared to what it was beforehand so i wouldn't be surprised that there's a lot of talent that is now going actually i'm going to start my own thing oh we'll, we'll pay you actually a bit a bit extra or something so similar to, to retain talent from going off and, and doing something different um so yeah a lo- lot of options um but i think we've got to break that that's got that data's got to be broken down because it's in very broad strokes you know it's it's interesting ali because uh, you gave me an idea and uh, it's for almost like another format of the of the show because we actually we, we gave two names you know our fans sam or or nigel and then you have like a content tendency you know i'm thinking of derek white you know derek uh, came yeah. you know from a bank and then back to google huge position at google you know with derek i know that we all know that he hired like a few like a very known uh, faces, right? Like including uh, including Sam that sort of are working in the same uh, sphere. And now, you know, he's back into a still very large, but maybe more agile system integrator. So I almost have uh, like, uh, it's uh, um, how do you say it? Uh, stalking uh, people's move and extrapolating uh, how the careers world is going. Uh, would be would be interesting because uh, i when you look at the big the big tech uh, they they do uh, they seems to attract names because the names are the one recognized by clients uh, but the sort of names they attract then i'm not sure they can keep them because uh, the culture you know google is not a startup anymore you know and and, and probably you have to be it becomes almost almost more bureaucratic uh, as the bank they originally sort of escaped from uh, like a 10 10 years ago don't you think I, do you mean, yeah i th- I, i concur in terms of the google, yeah, google's not no longer a startup um i i have to admit i, I mean I, startup I mentality of course it's yeah. not a startup you know the, i was talking about the culture um off with with derek uh, i i would put a ring a ding ding i predict a thing i i wouldn't be surprised if um Galileo is acquired by 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 Google. Uh I, I wouldn't be surprised in 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 the slightest but then uh yeah I've been I I've, I've been wrong on that front many times before. <laughs> Anna you have been right a few times uh when you're talking about acquisition. What do you think about this tech the, the tech giants trying to become smarter in the in the fintech space because that's actually a good uh, sort of transition uh, i want to talk about the embedded finance uh, you know with you guys a little bit and that's a nice transition yeah i think it's interesting because what they've been doing they everybody's been talking about all oh, tech firms coming into finance that's so scary and they've all been doing it but they've all been doing it in specific ways in ways that perhaps people weren't predicting like you know and and they still are all maintaining some sort of discipline around why they would do it right like you know uh they're just trying to drive more people and keep more people on their platform rather than doing it as a way to do finance if that makes sense like they don't want to be a bank to be a bank per se they want to offer services to their customers so whatever their main businesses or their or their you know their platform is they keep them there right mm-hmm. um so but but you know but we have seen 
I guess that's largely it. So I think like acquisitions there would make sense, but I also see them just partnering more. Like look at Apple with Goldman. They just announced they were doing fine. I'll pay later with them after the card. Um, Google partnered with Wise on money transfers. Um, so, you know, I'm, I, obviously there might be acquisitions, but I see I see them as being pretty conscious about, you know, the fact that they have antitrust regulators um, sort of breathing down their backs everywhere in the world, especially in Europe. And so they're very careful that they don't, and they're kind of, some of them are kind of already in everything. And so they're very careful that they don't probably step into finance too aggressively. I mean, look at what happened with Facebook and Libra, you know, regardless yeah. of how that was handled, how ambitious the project was, you know, there was just a massive worldwide agreed for like everyone was, was, you know, agreeing that that was not going to happen as a regulator. So, you know, there is very much, I think they, they understand that I get the sense that they know that if they move into finance and banking, which is so regulated and so important, they have to tread carefully and they have to do it in a way that's, you know, also business-wise just makes sense for, for, for what they do. Um, but again, obviously it's, it, they're, they're, you know, they have the money to buy whatever they want, even think of Amazon. You know, they true, true, and and actually is you know talking talking about like a non perceived financial services players getting getting into financial services. You know what what I think is the is the sneakiest sort of uh, 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 you know thing that is that is happening is that the, the the threat for for the banks and also for some of the startup is not coming. Uh, from from the big names and, and and to me the big example is like booking.com you know so our friends then you know the dan marovitz is good because i realized with both of you there are so many people we can talk about uh, just about their moves and what they've been doing it's so funny because we have the same references so we will keep doing this so dan has just changed his status uh, into the chief fintech officer of booking.com and he has been uh, uh, like developing this platform for the past couple of years. So Booking.com, what they did is they hired Dan, then hired, uh, I don't know, I, I, he was talked about a couple of hundred people. Maybe he didn't like uh, hire that many, but whatever, the team is huge. And uh, they basically, you know, Booking has built uh, a whole brand new credit and collection, uh, uh, you know, platform. Uh, that allows them to like a, a marginally increase the bottom line in terms of uh, fees, you know, simply fees for, for collecting their money. And I know for a fact that in, in more than one countries, you know, nine, nine out of 10, uh, you know, hotel rooms are, are on booking.com, you know, and, and booking as a super cash rich uh, uh, company. So, uh, you know, and, and these guys uh, are actually self-serving right they are not pretending uh, today to like uh, be the embedded finance uh, sort of platform to start uh, reselling uh, financial services to third parties so they started uh, by serving themselves but then all of a sudden i can totally imagine like the same platform start doing uh, lending maybe you know they have uh, everything they have all the data about their clients meaning the hotel in this in this case, what stops them to start, uh, you know, using data to allow, you know, to to be like a, a, a loan or 
to let these guys or loan originator for for their clients you know so there is a and they started in sort of a very soft uh, again self-serving uh, unexpected way but they might become significant threat to some of uh, to some of the other financial services players don't you think i think it depends on which financial service player you're talking about like if you're talking about a big bank I'm not sure, but maybe some smaller specialist lenders, I guess they might be a threat to, or they might be a threat to some business line of some bank. Because if you think about it, like Uber lends to its drivers, right? I'm pretty yeah. sure, right? So I don't think it's had a, has it had, I'm actually not, not sure, but I don't think it's had, it's not taken down a bank yet. So I think it's more, it's more maybe like, you know, the ones that are on the people are financial services business that are specialized in the areas that they these guys want to target then then they'll see that drop right um and also like i mean i don't know the, the issue the question is always what percentage of total revenues will come from dan's business lines compared to the total business lines of, of booking right like is is it that strategically important to them or is it just a, a nice thing to have again to make sure that they're keeping people on their platform because they're doing it to keep, you know, uh, people with rooms to list there or, you know, rather than because they want to offer bank accounts and loans and compete on loans. So I think there's always that difference. I guess that, that you could say, you know, if booking starts and then an Airbnb does it and then another one starts and overall like lending to travel might be affected, but I'm not sure if it, it would affect because the reality is, you know, these guys, they don't they don't have deposits. Right. So their co- cost of cash is much higher always. Right. So at a point that that does impact how much money you're making. Right. If if, you know, you have to go to someone else for the money. I mean, I guess they, they lend they could lend the money that they're making elsewhere. But but, you know, if you want to be a great lending business, you need to have your own certain money and your own you need to be able to lend at better rates. Right, that's what makes you more competitive. Yeah, actually, is uh, you know, Ali. Before before you jump in, I was actually in the, the, in, I, I'm doing a, a couple of presentations on on embedded finance, and uh, they they say that by by 2030, the the the, the value of embedded finance uh, transactions, uh, combining payment, lending, and insurance. Uh, Will be three times the value of uh, today's uh, top 30 financial institutions, right? But it is true that most of that value will be payments. You know, actually, one the, almost half of it, uh, it will, and 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 only like a third will be about lending, and then they say insurance, which is of course uh, catching up. Uh, uh, you know, uh, rapidly because uh, it is the I don't know what say the easiest. Uh, but is like the less competitive and most immediate, uh, like a product that you can cross sell uh, in many transactions, right? Be it uh, you know a, an instant insurance uh, in the Uber space, uh, or uh, like uh, the you know in, in in buying goods, or you know whatever whatever that is. So it, it, what you're saying is certainly more true than more true for uh, the lending space that that for the that for the payment space. Ali, what do you think? I was saying, just going back to uh, what Anna was saying about Dan, I, I would love, I mean, if there's a way to kind of get the transaction fees that are going through, you know, the MasterCard and Visa Rails, et cetera, if he can lower the, that down, I think he'd be the golden boy at booking.com. 
Um, I, I wanted to bring, I, I don't know whether you guys have ever heard this quote before, um, but um, so apologies if, it, if, it, uh, if this is new, new to you, but B Bill Gates once said this. Um, he said that we don't need Banky anymore. Have, have, you, have you heard him say this? We don't yeah, need Banky yeah, yeah. anymore. <laughs> it's, it's literally the most overused quote, but I, it's so true. We don't need bank. Uh, we need banking, but we don't need banks anymore. Um, it's so overused, but it's so true. Um, I was always fascinated that in terms of the, the channels that financial services reach people, uh, sort of turn of the century, you had uh, APG and Ene, uh, who I'm a massive fan of. He brought uh, he brought banking from a few centralized locations to the branch network in America. Completely changed the game. It brought it from tens of thousands of people to millions of people. And now the smartphone has brought finance to literally billions of people. And embedded finance has the ability to effectively have a bank embedded into every single app on there. Uber, Amazon are kind of the go-to ones. But even on simple things like booking.com, the opportunity is yeah, absolutely massive. Um, we, we were looking at a company uh, called uh, Fly Now, Pay Later. Um, exactly what it, exactly what you expect it is you you pay for your flights and paid off in installments there's no kind of interest it's like a buy now pay later purely for, for flying embedded into the the flight searches itself so you can literally click and see how much it's going to be uh, for each one there phenomenal example it, it's encouraging transactions which and it's encouraging transactions but also providing a lot of data on the individuals as well which helps build up their own kind of credit rating and understanding of them um so yeah to, to the overall point yeah, all for it. More embedded banking. Get some more of that about. Embed everything in banking. Actually, it's, it's funny because you were mentioning CUDA before. And, and I believe that emerging markets, specifically Africa, is, is a great example because the regulators are somehow like not as straight or they allow you to be a bit more creative. When you look at you know the, the number of super apps that are raising in Africa that... You know, I can name you five different ride-hailing services that natively are made, are built with the financial products on top. You know, so what what you were saying, Anna, like uh, uh, Uber is uh, doing, uh, you know, uh, is is lending money for the drivers to actually buy, uh, 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 you know, the car. Well, there are actually, you know, the the uh, this is the way they actually build the startups directly in emerging markets, and they add uh, uh, digital payments, uh, insurance, uh, uh, micro loans, of course, uh, and also like a saving products, you know, like uh, you know the Ros Rosca model, you know, where. Uh, Everyone puts, uh, you know, a, a cheaper per a cheaper month, and once per month, so one takes out amongst the drivers of of the same app. These are just, uh, you know, few of Someone, the examples. Someone's been yeah, speaking to Miss Mahanti. Yeah, well, yeah, this exactly. So, the, but the Rosca model has been existing for for years, and. Uh, this is how natively, you know, the, 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 they call they call themselves super apps because they under, they understood quite fast that uh, if they start with a single service, they won't reach a critical mass. But all of a sudden, uh, if they start as an embedded finance uh, uh, super app, as they call now themselves, they're going to reach uh, a, a, a much more profitable market because they would they are making more money in this case with the leasing of the of the vehicles. Then with the with the ride dealing uh, uh, with the ride dealing itself, 
Um, okay, guys, is I, I want to like give you the opportunity to. Uh, th- these are the two or three sort of topics that I wanted to pick. Super fast. Anything that struck you because it's kind of your job as well to to pick up uh, you know cool news from uh, from the market. Like uh, in a couple of sentences, anything that you want to share that sort of uh, struck you and you want to sort of share with our audience. Anyone you know, Anna, this is really your like uh, your daily stuff to find some gems. I don't want to spoil any of the few uh, any of the next things you're going to write about, but just something that uh, struck your attention. I'm finding uh, this is more one area, but like I'm I'm really look, finding interesting all the stuff around central bank digital currencies is what's going to happen there. I know it's going to take a long time, but you know I was interested in seeing what the and how that will impact sort of commercial banking if there will be an actual big change there, and or if commercial banks will manage in the years ahead to maintain their role um, in, now so that so that they don't lose position in sort of the distribution of money. That's one thing. Um, That's yes. good. I'm going to I'm going to totally steal this topic for, uh, for the next show. I might even invite <laughs> you to talk about it. Ali. Um, I, I, I've been following it online, and this is weirdly connected to fintech. Um, that there was a football match on uh, a couple of couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you saw it, Matteo. It was, it was uh, England against Italy. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I read today. I read today that uh, English people are boycotting the Italian restaurants. So now, on the top of losing, they will actually eat worse. That was the... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but obviously, there was uh, a lot of uh, horrific things written on social media. But that that brought to a lot of people's attention about how oh we we want we want uh, some of the things we're saying we want everyone to be verified before being able to put some stuff on social media, and then equally people were saying well hang on a second if you do that the the knock on effect is you're throwing the baby out with the bath bath water so it has a major effect on like the LG uh, community uh, same again with uh, places like China with the, with the Uyghurs uh, talk there's a lot of elements that you can't actually uh, police. So uh, off the back of that, I've been looking into various ways that identity verification can be done. Um, and I know our friends at uh, Trulio have done a lot of stuff recently in terms of kind of, they've got a bit of a mission to try and create a digital identity for everyone in the world. Um, I, I think that's something over the coming weeks and months is going to become much more of a hot topic because it bleeds out of fintech into kind of every day into the into the general zeitgeist uh, so i i'm expecting to see a lot more news and a lot more focus on digital identity um around making sure that everyone has the ability to get a digital identity and then looking at whether or not everyone should uh, so it's certainly uh, an in, an interesting uh, an interesting flashpoint absolutely absolutely well i hope you guys appreciate the fact that uh, you know with two italians and one english i did not expect to be the whoa, english whoa, one whoa, to brought whoa, up whoa. so much <laughs> uh, to alba i have got, got the accent but i i, I yeah. myself uh, yeah western isles scottish <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's let's talk about passports. Okay, so, but <laughs> thank you, thank you for uh, for giving us the opportunity to talk about the football match. Uh, you know, Anna and I certainly didn't want to uh, to put it in uh, in a ratio, but we're happy you did. 
guys, thank you so much. Our time is over. Thank you for for being with us. Super short, uh, Aliana, where you know where people can find you, like uh, maybe Twitter. Anna, you have a newsletter. You know, you that's your like a uh, two seconds uh, where you can find the moment, Ali. Uh, if you look up my name, I, I'm relatively easy to find. I'm all over Twitter. Not not on TikTok, but I'm, I am on, on Twitter, LinkedIn, Ali Patterson, uh, 1T. Again, Scottish, not the English spelling. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Anna? Um, yes, same. You can uh, Google me and I'm relatively easy to find on Twitter. Yeah. And then my stories are yeah. on Reuters.com. Yeah, and guys, you know that these I'm not following a lot of newsletters, but these two guys together are amongst the few that I'm following. So it's really worth. So go and go and pick them up on on, on social media is is worth it. Anna Ali, thank you so much for being with us today, and it is an epic wrap. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.